when we call on God and we do so humbly, then God always, and I stress always, answers us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery as we look at the Psalms, and we've been going through it for the past couple of weeks. It is very interesting what comes up, and we're going to study that today as we go through the Bible. Corey is here to help us with Ryan. Corey. I am going to be taking a look at pomegranates today. Ryan? Well, today and all this week, I'm continuing on with my series on creation. And in today's report, I'm talking about the world's greatest balancing act. All right. Very good. Pomegranates, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, look forward to that. Pomegranates. Okay. Jam, what'd you do? Bow down your ear. All right. So there you go. You've got it all. Now open up the Bible because the Bible is very important. As we begin to look at this in 86 of Psalm, there's three points here we're going to study, but let's read the Bible and listen to what God has said. Psalm 86, verses 1 through 12. Bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice, the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. Psalm 86, verses 1 through 12. Psalm 85, 86, 87, 88, and 89. We're reading a lot of these chapters because... They're shorter, and the idea is to go through the Bible uh, as God has produced them and put them in place so we can understand them. Now, the Psalms are a collection of poetical lyrics that reflect the soul of man and the heart of God through music. There are many things that we can consider and apply to life in our praise and our prayers to God. As we read the prayer of David in Psalm 86, We can hear the sound of his soul crying out to the Lord for his mercy. We also learn how David meditates on the righteous and excellent ways of God. Meditates on them. It is good for us to come to the God, to the Lord, our God, our praise to him and to reflect in his glory and power and majesty. 
God is great and does amazing and wonderful things. It is humbling and overwhelming to know and understand then that God listens and is attentive to our prayers. We would be wise to ask God the same thing David did. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Psalm 86, 11. God has given us his wonderful word to learn and to grow from. Let's not only read it and know it, but let's also place it deeply into our hearts that it becomes the reactions to our action. That's very, very important. I want to tell you to turn to today. This is the last day in the May Guide. And so your June will be, you probably already have your June Guide, but we send these every month and uh, make sure you get a hold of yours. Uh, you can also go online, write to us or call us, but you can go online as well. Bible Discovery TV, where you can click on the page. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for the donations. We pray that God speaks to your heart and may God speak to your heart and do whatever. We trust in the Lord. We trust in the work of the Holy Spirit in you. So praise God for that. And uh, if you can help us, that's great. But it's important to remember that when you get this, you're going to download this as we printed it. That becomes important. So Father, I pray today that as we focus on great is God's mercy, you would help us to understand a little bit of your mercy. Help us to realize the importance of knowing how you have applied that to us today. And Father, teach us how to think. Help us not to, you know, well, I saw it, so I... No. Read the Bible, apply it to our heart. Read it so it changes us. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name today. We said this together, amen and amen. All right, let's go to the scripture. I love this. Psalm 86, 1 to 5. Watch this. Bow down your ear, O Lord, and hear me. So God is being called on to listen to us. For I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I will lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all of those who call upon you. Look at that scripture. All of those who call upon you. Listen carefully. The words of David reveal his unceasing prayers and appeal to the Lord's faithful love. David knew this. Christians who follow the Lord pray as he taught us. Did you know that praying is a big part of listening? We have to come before the Lord and listen to him. Because God wants us, when we, God wants us to pray, he doesn't say, okay, I want this, 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 this. He doesn't do that. We spend time with the Lord when we come alone, not with the cell phone, not with this gadget, that gadget, this device. And, we get alone with the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm here to listen to you. Now, there's some things I'm going to pray for, but I, I'm ready to listen to you. So interrupt me at any time you desire and help me, Lord, in Jesus name. This is how we pray. David knew that. David understood that. And that's what he put in the scripture. Beloved, we need to hear that. Psalm 86, verses six and seven. Here's what it says. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. 
and attend to the voice of my supplication. I'm going to speak to you. Attend to the voice of my supplication. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you for you will answer me. This is amazing. You see, God will answer us when we humbly call to him in truth. God doesn't answer us when we demand things from him, but he answers us when we recognize who he is and who we are and the truth of that. We should spend time in prayer and trust in the Lord. He is our help. We come to God because he's the only person that has the ability to change anything in our lives. Beloved, this is so important. That's why we should meditate on the scripture. One of the things we should meditate on is the Psalms. And the Psalms tells us that the Lord is powerful enough to change your life if you come to him humbly. So we come to the Lord carefully and humbly and we say, okay, Lord, I'm coming to you and I need you today. Help me. And when we do that, we change our attitudes and we change our minds. Then suddenly things begin to change in our life. At our prayer meeting on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we always lead with a psalm. Uh, psalm 100 or Psalm 96 or whatever it is. 139 is another good one. Uh, 72 is an excellent one. Psalm 1 is beautiful. Psalm 101 is amazing. So we lead with a psalm to teach us his way and show us his path. Very important. Now, 86. 8 through 12. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations who you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. You are the great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way. I love this. This is my favorite line I quote all the time. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. <laughs> Teach me your way and let me walk in your paths. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. I love this. You see, God is great. His word and his work are sacred and sovereign, sacred and sovereign. We should praise the name of the Lord Jesus from this from and learn from him and walk in his ways. This is what I always say. Teach us your ways and show us your paths. I say that because the Bible says that. That's why I say it. People quote me and I say, it's the Bible. Quote the Bible. Beloved, we need to read and understand the word of God because God's telling us how to survive the life we live today. God's telling us how to live in times when there does not seem to be much. God's showing us that he is the only thing we need. So praise God. So beloved, today we pray, God help me to learn your ways and show me the truths of your paths. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen.
Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And as I mentioned off the top of the program, my segment today is called The World's Greatest Balancing Act. And you're going to see, once again, the brilliance of God in His creation. So let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about why it is that you can go for a run or play sports and not become dizzy like you can while flying on a plane or riding on a roller coaster? What is it that makes the difference between these two different types of motion? Well, it turns out that it's actually a very, very small organ in your inner ear called the vestibular organ, which receives messages from your spine. Check it out. Throughout life, the human body undergoes a great deal of movement and motion. From walking to running to riding in cars and planes, or even roller coasters, everyone is in motion. But how is it that those engaged in voluntary movement like running do not experience the dizziness of the passive riders of a plane or roller coaster who have no control over the sudden changes in speed and direction? What is it that makes the difference? The answer is found in a small organ located in the inner ear called the vestibular organ, or VO for short. The VO is responsible for maintaining balance and posture during voluntary motion. According to researchers, the VO senses ongoing self-motion and ensures that the person unconsciously compensates for the accompanying changes in the orientation of the head. In other words, it has a dampening process which lowers sensitivity when the body itself causes motion. Without this dampening function, intentional body movements would disrupt balance. It was a team of German researchers who first discovered how this organ and whole elaborate system works. Using tadpoles as an experimental model system, since a tadpole's balance organs operate on the same principle as a human's, they found that as they began to swim, their spinal cords sent out two copies of the swim signals. One copy goes to the body's swimming muscles, while the other goes to the VO. However, the copy sent to the VO arrived slightly ahead of the signal sent to the relevant muscles in order to calibrate the organ and prepare the body for motion. This feed-forward principle is crucial, and if the timing were off even by the slightest, then the system would disrupt balance instead of helping it. This discovery naturally begs the question, how could a system with this kind of exquisite timing, the brain, brainstem, spinal cord, spine, ear, VO, neurons, and muscles, all working in exacting and concerted harmony to make seamless locomotion, have originated? According to team scientist and lead author Dr. Boris Chognod, here, evolution has not only come up with an elegant means of anticipating the effects of locomotion on the body, but also of compensating for them in an adaptive fashion. However, this conclusion falls extremely short, because natural forces never anticipate. They cannot think ahead because they do not have minds, will, or volition. However, intelligent minds can anticipate. The simple fact is, never have we seen such sophisticated machinery being invented by nature but we have seen designers do it. Therefore, the only logical and straightforward conclusion is that it was an intelligent mind behind this incredible design and not evolution. You know, it's really interesting how an evolutionist like Dr. Chognod looks at this data and says, wow, evolution has come up with this brilliant design. While the creationist looks at the very same data and says, wow, God has come up with this brilliant design. So how is it that both scientists have the same facts and yet come to vastly different conclusions? 
Well, it's because of their preconceptions or their starting assumptions or beliefs about how the world works. See, data can't speak for itself, but must be interpreted or filtered. This is where your worldview comes in. Now, some have aptly described a worldview as a lens or glasses over your eyes. So if you're wearing evolutionary glasses, then you're going to see evolution in everything. At the same time, if you're wearing biblical glasses, you're going to see the creator God in everything. So the creation-evolution debate can never really be resolved with scientific data alone. It's really a debate over worldview and which worldview is logically consistent. And despite popular opinion, the only truly logical worldview when you really look into it is the biblical one in which a god of order creates a universe reflecting that order. Now, if you want to check me on that, then I, I would say go ahead. But I would recommend reading the book by logic expert Dr. Jason Lyle called The Ultimate Proof for Creation. It's an enlightening study on logic. And if you like that one, you might also want to uh, pick up part two, which is called Discerning Truth. God is the creator of this universe, and the universe clearly reflects that fact. Now, we, we met Jason Lyle, Dr. Jason Lyle, and that was absolutely fascinating, right? So mm -hmm. that, that is really good. Uh, okay, look forward to reading that book, too. All right. Well, today I'm taking a look at pomegranates, the fruit. So obviously pomegranates are a fruit. They are consumable. They are mentioned in the scriptures as one of the uh, fruits of the promised land. So a symbol of the abundance and uh, the gifting of God of the promised land to the Israelites. But as we move through the scripture, we see pomegranates also being used in Israel's religious organization. So we see pomegranates and golden bells incorporated on the hem of the high priest's garment in the tent tabernacle. So we read about this in Exodus and Leviticus. And then later on, when King Solomon builds the Jerusalem temple, he has uh, many uh, small pomegranates adorning uh, probably the, the pillar tops or the capital tops of the outside of, uh, of, of his temple in Jerusalem. So there's some really interesting symbolism that's going on here as well. So let's take a look at pomegranates in ancient Israel, in the Bible, and in the physical remains, and we'll talk about it after. In the ancient Near East, the pomegranate was a widely accepted symbol of fertility. This was due to the many seeds contained in each fruit. The pomegranate's potential for reproducing seems nearly unlimited, so standing as a symbol for fruitful potential, productivity, and abundance was quite appropriate. Its red, blood-like color may have also been a consideration, as blood is vital to life. In the Bible, the pomegranate was used as a clear symbol of abundance, potential abundance, and blessing. It appears in the list of fruits given to the Israelites to demonstrate the promised land's abundance. And the Hebrew word for pomegranate, Ramon, is incorporated into the names of some sites mentioned in the Bible, including Gath Ramon, meaning pomegranate winepress, and Hadad Ramon, which may have been a place of spiritual apostasy in the plain of Megiddo. The pomegranate was also used in Israel's religious life. The garment of the high priest had both a functional and decorative hem that included gold bells to announce his presence in the temple, intermingled with blue, purple, and red yarn pomegranates. The bells had a functional purpose, while the pomegranates must have had a decorative and symbolic purpose, perhaps representing the many blessings of God that came with worshiping him as he had prescribed. 
Later in Israel's history, the Temple of Solomon also incorporated pomegranate imagery, this time as a decorative element of the building itself. Many bronze pomegranates are said to have decorated the capitals, or tops, of the two entryway pillars into the temple. The pomegranate as a decorative and symbolic element is well known from the archaeology of the Near East. A variety of pomegranate-shaped objects have been found in cultic or religious contexts. Items like pomegranate-shaped vessels or pots, pomegranates from the center of bowls, pomegranates from votive offering rings, and small pomegranates that were meant to hang off various vessels. With the recent discovery of a clay-hanging pomegranate from the Israelite religious site of Shiloh, there is now archaeological evidence that the pomegranate was an important symbol in the Philistine, Canaanite, and early Israelite religions. It seems that pomegranates may also have been associated with women in ancient pop culture. This can be seen in the Bible by the use of pomegranates in Song of Songs. The pomegranate's association with abundance, fertility, and therefore beauty is used by the author to describe the beauty and attractiveness of the female character. This association with femininity is also seen in the historical record and has led some scholars to interpret ivory and bone sticks topped with small pomegranates as women's pins for clothing, coal sticks, which are ancient makeup applicators, and spindles involved in clothing production. You know, as just a natural thing in nature that was available to all the different people in, in that region of the world, we see the pomegranate being used in other cultures, uh, so not just specific to Israel. Now, for our purposes today, it is really uh, interesting to see how Israel specifically incorporated the pomegranate not only into their religious systems, but also into their culture as a whole. So it's very probable that some of the understanding or the ideas are swirling around the pomegranate and its meaning in other cultures also would have bled into Israel and then been filtered through their understanding. This is a natural thing that happens, um, not only uh, with ancient Israel, but also with Christians today, and it can be okay. Um, so for example, uh, seeing the pomegranate as a symbol of abundance and, and as a symbol of God's power to uh, create and, and um, to multiply things. So that would be an example of one of the symbols that the pomegranate probably represented. Very interesting, Corey. Janice? As a young boy and as a man, David had a relationship with God. And you can see this reflected in the Psalms as he cries out, as he worships God. And in this particular one, it begins, bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me. And I think, you know, this is the God of the universe that David is crying out to. And it reminded me when our youngest son, Brandon, who's in the control room directing for us, and he used to come to you, Rod. I'm going to borrow your face. So Brandon, you might want to get a shot of your dad and I in this here. But when Brandon was a little boy, you'll remember, Rod, he'll, he would come up to you, Daddy, 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 and you'd be busy with something. And he'd be trying to tell you something or ask you something. And then finally, he would crawl up on you and he would take your face and he would say, Daddy, listen to me. Look at me. And finally, he would have your attention and then you would answer him. And it was that kind of relationship 
Daddy. And Brandon was persistent and he would get Rod's attention. And I look at this and I, and I see this wonderful and beautiful relationship that David had with his heavenly father, that the creator of the universe um, would bow down his ear to listen to his child, to listen to David. And this is such a beautiful psalm because it's a prayer for mercy, but at the same time, it's a meditation that David gives on the excellencies of God, the majesty and the strength in God. And you can see it here. For you, for you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you for you will answer me. Um, among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. And skips down, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. David says, I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Down to verse 16, O turn to me. He says again to his heavenly father, Oh, turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign for good. And he goes on. And this is just, Rod, it, it just reminded me, as you were Brandon's earthly dad, you're still his earthly dad. And there's still times when Brandon comes, doesn't he? And dad, dad, dad. But he doesn't and grab my face. And he doesn't <laughs> grab your face anymore. Um, but that same loving nature, that same affection that you have for Brandon as your son and Ryan as your son and Corey as your daughter. You give that attention because you love them and they want to spend time with you the same way, even greater, a greater magnitude. And it makes me very emotional because we're talking about the God of the universe, the one who breathed out galaxies that, that gave us everything that we have wants our to give us his attention. He bow down, bows down his ear to us when we call out to him. Do that today. Thank you for joining us on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 3.30 to 4.30. We pray for you, and we're on Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Bible Discovery TV, our website. Go there, click on prayer, and you can join us. We have a lot of people coming, and it's great. Today, we need to pray, Lord, I praise your name for knowing my condition and knowing my situation. Help me, Lord, I'm a human, but help me, Lord, with the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to navigate through life according to your ways, in Jesus' name.